from here on out, every foul is flagrant, boy. Let's go. You are now tuned into the chat room, your favorite baller's favorite podcast. Welcome back to the chat room podcast. I am the senator and with me today, I got coach. What's going on, yo? What's going on? It's a, whole, it's a whole different setup for me, this, this one, but it's all good. I still found a way to make sure I'm here to record. Oh, on this episode, we brought in some very influential people in the area of basketball across Canada, and not sure. even just across Canada, but their experiences goes way beyond, way beyond what they're doing at this point. We're going to get into a lot of their details and their stories, but first, let's just introduce everyone. So first, we got John. How you doing? <laughs> we got Chris. How's it going? We got Wayne. And we also got Ro. Hey, what's going on? All right, gentlemen, we're going to start off with some roundtable discussions. And the first question is pretty simple. What's the favorite book that you've read? Well, I'll, I'll jump in first because the, <laughs> the favorite book that I read is obviously the Bible. You know what I'm saying? From the historical standpoint and the literature and the poems and the, and the artistry of it and everything. Obviously, the Bible is the number one book. Okay, so okay, okay. Mine, mine for sure is uh, like ever since my injury, like for sure it's Mamba mentality, man. Cause like once I tore my Achilles, like I just, I just kind of gravitated to all that. So I definitely read that book in like what, three weeks. So yeah. well, I, I, got over again, so. I mean, I got a slew of books I'm supposed to read, but, <laughs> but the only one I read consistently is, is my, is my Bible. And then, you know, after that, you know, like, you know, uh, I'm more of an article guy as opposed to a book guy, so I haven't I haven't really dug into any any full books outside of God's Word recently. You know, the Bible is always number one. Um, one of my favorite books is uh, from John Wooden, The Pyramid of Success. Um, I read that uh, some years ago, and it really was uh, influential for me. Um, how he built the pyramid, the building blocks, uh, the core values that he used to describe, you know, everyday life for an athlete or an aspiring business person. So, you know, that book was really influential, influential for me. Uh, Chris? So, I'm going to say, um, I don't know, I go through a book at least once a month. You know, books are very big and... Um, Everybody's already chosen the Bible. So, um, you know, I would say the autobiography of Malcolm X is always tough for me. But one of the things I'd recommend, which has been really life changing, is uh, Black Rednecks and White Liberals by Thomas South. And he's, uh, he's an American economist, a black guy. And it really breaks down from the history of before slavery, during slavery, where we are now and how we can better ourselves. And I found out the book has been life-changing. That's dope. All right. Um, for me, I'm not even a big reader like that. So um, <laughs> I think the last real book that I read was in high school. But um, <laughs> it's just being honest. But I think for me, and it's one that I reference a lot at times, it's um, 1984 by George Orwell. Um, that is one of those books that anytime people ask me, that's the one that immediately comes to mind. So that would be my choice. Dope, 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 dope. Um, next question. Who is the most interesting person that you've met or had a conversation with? Conversation with? Go ahead. 
Okay, I'll, I'll start off. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, um, they had a Canadian Walk of Fame, and I, I went to the ceremonies with uh, Elijah, Elijah Fisher. He was a speaker, a presenter at that uh, awards. And the, one of the awards was um, they're giving um, Dr. James Naismith Walk of Fame for being oh, wow. an innovator in, uh, in um, sports and obviously basketball. And uh, he's obviously dead by now, but his, mm -hmm. his grandson, um, Jim, was there. Wow. And I felt like a, a kid in the candy store, you know, like how that face where, you know, the Michael Jordan fantasy, mm -hmm. fantasy cabin and that little chubby black kid is looking up <laughs> at him like, dang, like, that's the GOAT. Like, that's the yeah. dude that made this possible for us. Made everything possible, yeah. Basketball. And I'm asking him all these questions about, what did your grandfather say? And how was, <laughs> and I'm just asking the questions and he's telling me, he's, you know, he's interested and let us know what it is. So he's obviously the most influential and, um, you know, um, special person. I, I had some, spent some time with in terms of learning about, you know, the origin of basketball and everything like that. That's dope. For, for me, yeah. um, for me, it was, um, I, I, you know, I met a, uh, quite a few people from my years of playing, you know, professional basketball, but, uh, I think the most impactful uh, person that I uh, spoke to and, and, you know, picked his brain was Bill Russell. Um, we was at, uh, we was at the uh, Rainbow Classic in Hawaii, uh, one of the tournaments. They don't, I don't think they have that anymore. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to play in that and, because we went to the same university. I went to the University of San Francisco. So Bill was at our game and, you know, he would just really – nice about giving his time and sharing his time you know we talked about you know winning that was one of the things i wanted to know about is mm -hmm. you know what do it take to be you know a winner and and the type of work that's you know that's required so you know he really shared me shared a lot of great gave me a lot of great insight on just you know taking it you know day by day second by second he, he'll break it down uh minute by minute and it made a lot of sense you know that you know, you got to understand that you're going to make errors and you're going to make mistakes, but you can't dwell on them. You got to be ready for the next play. So, so some of those uh, conversations, some of those conversations I had with him was, was really good for me. Nope. Nope. Guys, I was chipping in and out, so I didn't hear the question exactly. Uh, most interesting person that you met or had a conversation with? Um, for me, it's going to be Maya Angelou. Um, I met Maya Angelou twice. She came to Toronto and I got a chance to uh, speak to her backstage. And I realized that when you talk about life lessons, you know, I expected her to go on stage, read some poems and you know what I mean? Pretty much. Mm -hmm. But she spoke about life, you know, and meeting Maya Angelou was incredible. It's like listening to your grandma, you know, tell stories about your history. Yeah. You know, and she, she spoke about the history, you know, just of black people on a whole, you know, which is never mentioned enough. So meeting Maya Angelou to me was was like a life transforming experience. I almost felt like I wanted to quit my job and go follow around. <laughs> to her. You know, it was it was honestly that impactful. So I'm going to say amazing. Maya Angelou. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I that that question makes me realize I really don't go anywhere. Um, and it's not even just COVID. I'm just not really a, I'm not a social person. I don't go to concerts. I don't go to book readings. I don't go to anything, but, you know, so I think a lot of the people that I, that I speak to that are, that are, that have been the most influential on in me are the, are the people that I sort of, I work with. And, um, you know, I think I've had the privilege of working with, with people who, you know, like my, my big thing now is, is curriculum writing and, and developing and, and um, you know entrepreneurs that are that are big into intellectual property and writing, and I think as, as black people, you know, we don't really, you know, we're still yet to tap into the, the the power of our intellectual property, you know, like our years of experience and 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 how to preserve that and how to translate that even into, you know, in, into uh, legacy and and monetizing it. So I've been learning a lot about uh, that and. Um, you know, and, and I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, even as a teacher. So um, I have, you know, a few business mentors that have really, really been um, helpful for me along the way. 
and I really, really appreciate the time they take for me. And the last thing I would say, probably a good friend of mine, Johnny Williams, um, you know, and he's like, to me, he's like, in terms of enlightenment as a black man, that, that it really helps me to refocus my compass on, you know, what life is really about and what my purpose is. And, um, you know, Johnny Williams is, uh, you know, he's a really good friend of mine. That I, lo I love listening to him speak. As dope. I mean, I can kind of echo those sentiments. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still fairly young, so my uh, experiences and and my journey hasn't been as um, interesting as a lot of y'all. But um, definitely, like, I'm not just saying this because on a podcast. But since I've been in Calgary, uh, one of the most interesting people I've been with, I've been talking to, and I've, I've been best enough to meet is actually John. Um, kind of just talking to him and kind of just being. Um, kind of like a sponge around him and, and his experiences and being involved in his program and kind of going by his house and talking, just talking about basketball, all that stuff is definitely kind of opened my eyes in regards to coaching. Um, prior to coming out here, I never really thought about coaching. Like I, I, I knew I could coach. I knew I had, the, I, I had the knowledge to do it, but I never really dove into it. And then since being out here, like I've, I'm now com I'm coaching at a college. I'm, I've been doing travel teams and all that stuff. So it's just, uh, he's definitely been one of the big influences for me out here. So, yeah. Thank you. That. Appreciate, Appreciate that. How much I owe you. I'm trying to think for myself. I think probably it would have to be Michelle John when she was Governor General of Canada. Um, I got invited to go to an event uh where it was her and the prime prime minister of Canada both there, and I got the opportunity to meet them and have a conversation with them. So, to me, that was it was uh, different too because she was our black general governor general of Canada at the time too. So, it it was really dope getting that opportunity to meet her in person. That's dope. Yeah, I don't know any politicians, so <laughs> you beat me on that for sure. I don't, for sure. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any directly either. So. <laughs> for sure. Um. All right. Well, as we kind of mentioned to start the start the episode, um, you guys are all, uh, really really deep in Canadian basketball. You guys have all been around for years. You guys have all had your hands involved in many athletes' lives, not only on the court, off the court. You guys. You guys are very successful. You guys have your own organizations. You guys have done it all in Canada basketball. Um, there's not a player in the NBA today that you guys have not been around. So that's, you know, you guys have that kind of reach. Um, but what has your journey been like? Like, how have you guys been able to go from where you guys started to now with your own organization, your own um, everything? Well, I'll start first. I'll just say that um, with all the different women that have been in my life, whether it be my, my grandmother, my mother, my older sister, who's passed away now, and um, my wife, and, and even my daughter, um, you know, um, I, I've, those people have um, helped, you know, shape me in terms of being, um, you know, with me uh, throughout this whole journey, uh, you know, whatever, it be, whatever, whatever it's been like in terms of basketball. Um, so I, I would say that in terms of the women that, that have been in my life, um, you know, have, have walked me right through the whole process and um, obviously, you know, give glory to God for what he has done in keeping me and, and um, you know, um, strengthening me and providing for me and protecting me all through all this whole um, journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, for, you know, for me, I mean, it's, uh, I think we all come into, we may come into, into sport and the, and the, um, you know, in this case, basketball for different reasons. I mean, I played it to save my life. And, you know, and then once, uh, you know, once my life got to a good place, I, you know, I wanted to help my little brothers. So, you know, so I first started coaching, you know, like in the early nineties, not because I wanted to coach, but I wanted my, I wanted my younger brothers to have the opportunities I had, you know, and, you know, one of them passed away now and, and, um, he passed away in the, in the late nineties. And, and, um, and I just remember, you know, for me, I just feeling like, I wish I would have come back sooner. You know, I wish I would have come back sooner because maybe if I would have come back sooner and got a program going and got him involved, I mean, you know, maybe that would have been the difference, you know, save his life. And then, 
And so that made me want to, you know, just, just want to save kids, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. basketball was a way to save kids. I mean, my, my background is sociology. I mean, I went to school for that and, you know, I did end up teaching, but I wanted to be a social worker. And uh, it was my professor that said, no, Wayne, you'll never make it because, you know, you, 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 you'll want to bring every kid home, you know, like you can't do that. You know, she said, go into education, you'll still get to have that kind of impact. And, um, and then when I was in education, you know, it was Dr. Spence, you know, he really encouraged me. He, he's one who encouraged me to do my first team. Um, he said, you know, use every talent you have to, you know, to, to bring kids in. And so at the time I knew how to step dance, I knew how to, I knew how to play <laughs> basketball. And so I always said, you know, start a step team, start a basketball. And then, um, you know, from there it was, um, wanting to build and be a builder. And I think that I transitioned out of coaching and um, I just felt that like as a, as a black man, I really wanted younger black people, black people to believe, see that we can build the three things. that we're not just consumers, we're not just people that use and, but we're actually people that can build. So, you know, so my, my journey is just, is, I think it's more, it's just more motivated by, you know, my own sort of intrinsic wanting to help or save something or somebody. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice dope. That's, that's amazing. I'm going to say um, for me, I started coaching when I was in grade 10. You know, I coached a grade nine girls team. And um, if I trace back basketball for me, growing up in, in Galloway, you know, and basketball kind of being that escape. You know, basketball was something that, you know, we didn't need a lot of money to do. It brought people together. We used to hang out at 4301 Kingston Road, you know, in the basement. Um, we had a guy named Andre. That's a spot. That's a spot. 100%. That's a spot. 100%. 4301 Kingston Road, apartment 220. That's a spot. I tell people this all the time that I think maybe the greatest album was Thriller by Michael Jackson until Drake said, wait till I'm resting. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. that became the greatest, you know? Yeah. But, but anyway, so growing up in Galloway, you know, that's my foundation, you know, and uh, basketball was that escape for us. You know, my parents never had a lot of money. I remember it was $20 to join the Galloway Lancers. That gave you your jersey and that they, you play for the season. I remember going to my dad, building up enough courage to say, you know, can I? And then once he broke down the whole Nobile Farms and grocery, I realized I wasn't going to play. You know what I mean? And going to Martha Smith at the time, you know, she brought me in. And what I realized all the way back then is that basketball really changed my life in a lot of areas. And I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't a, a guy playing basketball that was a superstar. We had guys like Delroy Williams and Leroy and Coach yeah. Legends. Yeah, yeah. You got to play mm-hmm. ball. I was a guy that if I didn't work my butt off, I wouldn't get on the court. But I use basketball to reach young people. And the longer I'm doing this, the more that I don't really want to be known as a basketball coach. You know, because that's really not why I'm in basketball. If I can use basketball as leverage mm-hmm. to affect lives, to help people, then at the end of the day, I'm very happy with that. And it's helped me to build a lot of relationships that I have today, long, life-lasting relationships. And so I owe a lot of it to basketball. And so, as I said, I tell people all the time, you know, not just a basketball coach, honestly, is to bring people together and, and to change lives. So. That that's for sure. Been my for sure, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, you you heard the question? No. Okay. Yeah. But basically, basically, the question was, um, how have you guys been able to kind of be successful to get where you guys are? Like, how? Like, what has that journey been for you guys throughout, like, the beginning and like to, to where you guys are now with like your own organization, your own club, your own things going on? Um. Well. For me, for my program is uh, 15 years old, but I've been I've been coaching for quite a while since I retired, and you know, I got involved because you know I made a promise uh, to some very important people in my life when I was younger, 
that steered me in the in the right direction. You know, uh, through sports uh, kept me out of trouble. Uh, I learned the discipline, and you know, the coaches, the the little bit of coaching that I had prior. You know, not like today where you have skilled trainers and you have mm-hmm. this person doing this and that person doing that. Well, we we kind of learned by trial and error, by going in the backyard or going in the alley or you know, one of the outdoor courts and, and this, you know, practice your game, practice your craft. You know, like we, we learned from watching TV. We had one game a week on the black and white screen. So I would watch, uh, you know, John Havlicek or Earl Monroe, and we would go out there and practice his movements. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we was going by trial and error. So when I did get some coaching, um, you know, it was really important to me in a, in my and I asked the coach, I said, what can I do to repay you for taking the time to pick me up and take me to the gym and make sure I'm safe? And he said, the way you pay me back is by helping someone else, you know? And, and I took that to heart. Uh, and that was one of the reasons why I started coaching, them, you know, because once I retired from professional basketball, I was done. You know, I was good watching the odd game now and then, but, you know, I really didn't have any interest in coaching. But uh, some friends of mine asked me to help them out with, you know, some of their teams. And and I said, sure. And um, once I started, um, you know, I asked them, I said, what the heck y'all get me into? You know, the parents <laughs> and all the stuff that goes with it. And, yeah, you know, I'm not playing and I should be playing and, you know, kids not going to practice and, and things that were not good with me because I went to practice every day. You know, I didn't miss. And, and you got kids that miss practice, but they never miss a game. So. You know, those things, I didn't like, I wanted to change that, you know, and I wanted to say, hey, you got to be committed, you know, not just to the team, but, you know, you got to be committed for yourself mm-hmm. and also the organization that you're representing, you know, because uh, your parents are paying money for you to play in the program. So, you know, why are you missing? You know, why are you not going that and taking advantage of the program? So, you know, that was one of the reasons why I really started CYDC is because, you know, I want to help in the community. You know, I want to help uh, the kids, you know, underprivileged kids and, you know, give them an opportunity, you know, because I was one of the kids that didn't have a lot of money coming up and I missed out on a lot of opportunities, camps and things like that. So, you know, I just want to make sure that, you know, if kids want to learn and play in a safe environment that I, you know, I was able to give those, those opportunities to those kids. That's tough. Man. Go ahead, Wayne. Yeah, you know, I want to say something because, you know, I really, even when I'm looking at my response, I like, you know, if, if somebody's watching this, you know, I, I really would like to make sure that I, if I have an opportunity to say something that they can take away. And, and when I look at, you know, Chris and I look at, look at, at Ro, um, John, I, you know, I don't really know you that much, but, you know, the one thing I really want to say is, you know, I, I see perseverance. You know, when I see, you know, when I see these guys, I know, I know what I went through and, mm-hmm. you know, and as a black man, I don't know every every step they took, but I know they had to go through a lot. Similar, yeah. You know, so I want to be very real about that. You know, when I and you know when I say that when I look at these guys and and John, obviously, you know, your story is going to be exactly the same. Is that the challenge for us as black men building is, you know, we we're we're building with limited resources. You know, the whole, yeah. you know, we've had to build with limited resources. We have to build with the responsibility of the community on our back. And that means mm-hmm. that even when you're trying to, to get there, you know, there's a sense of, well, you got to do it at your expense because you are, you know, you're the face of the community, you're a leader, you know, so you have to sacrifice. And then, but that's not the expectation from people who come up from the outside and use our community. And then the other thing that we had to, I know, again, and forgive me guys, if I'm, you know, I'm, and I'm speaking for you guys, but from a top down, when you look at, you know, the, you know, the, whether it's from the TDSB, Canada basketball, all these, these, you know, the different governing bodies and different things like that, they're not embracing us and saying, Hey, we love what you're doing. Let us get behind you. Um, yep. So when absolutely. I, so when I see these guys, these guys for me represent perseverance. Like, mm-hmm. and if I would say to any young person, young, especially young black man, black woman trying to, uh, build their own organization is like, you know, be prepared, you know, be prepared that, you know, it, um, it's going to be a, a rough journey. It's going to be a lot of bumps and, you know, but, um, you know, I agree. I, 
these guys are men, men of faith, men of faith, and I and so am I. And, and I think God had purposed us to, to do what we did for our community. And I think that, um, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, people will sort of see and recognize that, you know, any success that we have, you know, like, you know, they can see that it's, it's, um, it's not, it's more than just a, like, you know, like Chris was saying, as, as we, we're more than just coaches. Yeah. We're more than that. For sure. I, For sure. I agree because, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to win Citizen of the Year here in Calgary uh, through my work with, with, with basketball and, you know, I was voted in. So I went to the ceremonies where the mayor was there and a lot of heavy hitters in the city. So I went up there and I gave a speech and I said, you know, everybody was clapping for me and stuff. I said, you know, there's so much things that we need to help these kids. You know, uh, you know, your parents talk about, you know, oh, their kids are hanging out at the 7-Eleven. They, they have nothing to do. And, and, you know, they should be off the street. So I, I told them, I said, you know, you guys talk about that, but you don't give us support. You yeah. know, I said, we need funding uh, to help these underprivileged kids, you know, to keep them safe and off the streets. And, you know, by the end of the day, I had so many cards that night, you know, people saying, well, we want to help you and we want to do this. And we want to do that for you. And we want to raise funds. And two weeks later, nada, you know, <laughs> nothing, you know, and, and if it was, yeah. if, if yeah. it was not, for me being an athlete, I would have gave up a long time ago, you know, because we are fighting a fight that we could lose, you know, and, you know, we get up every day, we go to the gym, we, we find a way, you know, to make sure everything is done and paid for. And, you know, the people here in the community, they want the world. They, they criticize you. Well, you don't have this. You didn't do this. And, you know, it's hard, you know, and, and then the kids nowadays, you know, the loyalty factor with kids and the commitment to programs, it's unbelievable. It makes you want to say, that's it. I'm done. I did my part. <laughs> but there's something in our heart that make us keep going, you know, and sure. thank God sure. that, you know, for you guys uh, that's out here in the community trying to make a difference because, you know, it's easy. You can easily give up. You really can. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, that's... Well, those are all definitely 100% facts. Um, I guess I kind of all kind of go forward and I'll say, um, like, as you guys have all touched on, you guys have all kind of played uh, huge roles in the lives of a lot of athletes uh, throughout Canada. Um, Mike, like, I, I want to kind of go back and kind of um, take everything back to like your first time going to the U.S., your first time bringing a, a, a group of athletes to the U.S. to go play basketball. What was that experience like from you guys being a Canadian team going to the U.S.? We got our butt kicked for a lot of years. <laughs> I mean, just stumped. And, you know, it's funny because I was fortunate to watch Roe win his first uh, Las Vegas tournament. I don't know if that was your first one, but he won the big time with, uh, with that outstanding team. And uh, it was amazing. You know, had, Corey was on that team and Tristan. Mike, and Mike and Junior. And I was sitting in the gym. You know, and, I, and that was a proud moment for me. Uh, and I'm not even a Canadian citizen, you know. Uh, it, it was a great moment for, for, for basketball. And then two years later, I won my first championship in two divisions, two different divisions. I think I was one of the first teams to do that in, in two different divisions in one, in one tournament. It was, it was amazing. But it took a lot of work. And I, I remember that game, bro. You guys, man, y'all was, was some bad boys, man. Uh, Y'all get in that gym and yeah. y'all just smoked everybody. Y'all play open, yeah. Remember, um, yeah, I, I think it was uh, that was a magical moment. That was a historical moment uh, for me. Um, you know, thanks to the Lord, and um, you know, uh, we had done some stuff before. My my first um, um, uh, experience in the states when I when I first embarked on um, AU. Um, you know, you wanted to kind of figure it out and see how it all works. And there's a, a tournament in Buffalo. And um, I, I was coaching at a George Brown um, Summer League way back in like 89. And um, that all-star team. And we beat up on different university and college teams. And I was like, this team is pretty good. And I was asking the guys, where are you going? Where, like, where are you going to university? And they're like, I'm going to Humber. I'm going to Seneca. I'm going to Ryerson. I'm going to York, I'm going to Guelph, whatever. And I'm like, dad, you're pretty good. 
you know, there's got to be another option for you, you know, and that's what made me think about, let's go to the States and see what's going on down there. And, then, um, you know, we went to this tournament in Buffalo just to feel it out and see how it all works. Cause everything was always OBA or club basketball or community mm-hmm. basketball. And, uh, you know, went down there and, and uh, we actually, you know, won, you know, and, and that was like, man, like, okay. So I was right. We are pretty good, you know? And then everybody down there was saying, Hey, who are you guys? I didn't even know you basketball <laughs> across the border, you know, even though it was Buffalo, they had no clue. They thought it was all white folks. Everyone played hockey. hockey. Yeah, igloos, igloos. And then that's how it started from there to really say, okay, there's something here where guys can have options rather than only going to a Canadian university, you can go down to the States and then you start finding about junior colleges and NEIA, Division Two you know, division one, and you're saying, okay, there's options, there's levels to it. So that that's how we got started. And the rest is history. The rest is history. That's, that's dope. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of interesting because uh, it's it me and Keith Vassell when I was in high school. There's a guy by the name of Al Previtt, and, um, and Al brought me and Keith down to play in Buffalo. And that was the first time, I, you know, for me crossing the border, um, because with, with Kingston Gal, I played for Galloway too. And we used to go out to, you know, Sun Youth play Riverside Church and, and, and all that. And that was our first exposure to playing against Americans, but that was on this side of the border. So when me and Keith got a chance to go across, um, you know, it was, um, again, that was me going. And that would have been, I don't know, 90, 1990, we're in high school. Um, but then I had a summer job with, with, uh, Chris Spence and that's when, you know, and, um, I had hired my brothers and it was, I, I miss Dr. Spence, man. That man just made things happen. Uh, <laughs> um, so he, uh, he actually set me up. I had a summer job hiring kids to, and to play for me. <laughs> and so I hired my little brothers and uh, actually little brother. And that was, uh, and a bunch of their friends. And that was our first trip uh, to the States. And that was like, um, you know, it was really, you know, I wanted, like I said, my, my beginnings was I really wanted my younger brothers to have the experience that I had. Um, so that was like, um, so I was like, in, you know, summer of my, you know, sophomore year or freshman year or something like that. Um, until 91, 92. And um, from there it was, you know, I came back when I graduated and I came back to Canada in about 96. Um, you know, I just picked up sort of where I left off. I just kept, you know, just grab some more guys. And, you know, I said, let's let you know that you, you know, that as far as trying to create opportunities, same thing like Coach Rose saying, like Rose saying that, um, you know, that, um, you know, I, I'm a Malvern, like, you know, like I, I was in jungle because I worked at, at, um, at Lawrence Heights Middle School. So, you know, so I was already being exposed to these na- neighborhoods where there was the, those kids that were not going to get into involved in Ontario Provincial Team program and, and um, so it just, again, okay, so, you know, if I'm taking care of my brothers, and at this point, it was too late, um, you know, things that happened with my brothers, and, uh, you know, uh, but I still wanted to continue what I had set out to, um, to do, do with them. And we just went there, and we just started balling, you know, just, you know, and representing the best we can, carrying, the, you know, carrying Canada and Toronto on our back, and, you know, the rest is history. That's dope. I'd say... Um... For me, first time I went down, we were playing for Galway Lancers, Alex Beeson, Sean Johnson, Patrick Williams, Tony King. You know, we put in a group together and we're being coached by Mervyn Busby. Hey, Mervyn, that's my coach. <laughs> and he drove us down to Scranton, Pennsylvania. And so Pennsylvania was a spark, yeah. Yeah, we gave him the name Swer- Swervin Mervin. That kind of stood for a <laughs> Every time we were driving, we were trying to sleep, we'd hear the tires touching, <laughs> touching the gravel. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we have we'd have to wake up. So we went down to Scranton, Pennsylvania. And honestly, it was such an amazing feeling, you know, because as I said, before that, you know, we're just playing against different communities Mm -hmm. in Toronto, Jungle, Finch, you know, that sort of stuff. And imagine bringing a bunch of us together as a collective, going down to the States and playing in a tournament, you know, and what that did, I think it bonded a lot of different 
relationships with guys from different parts of the city that didn't get along. And, you know, unless you were from G-Way, we didn't think you were good in ball anyways. You know, facts. Guys, facts. Patrick Williams <laughs> could really... I got a bias on you. We got a lot of Galloway guys. Here. 100%. It's G, you know, it's like, yeah. As they say, spread love is the Scarborough way. Yeah. <laughs> so so we, we went down to the States and it was such a life-changing experience that... When I got a chance to take the, my first group down, which was like Javal Miles and, you know, we took DeVoe and some of these guys when, you know, they're kids and we're able to take them to the States. I wanted them to have the same experience that I had, you know, and by no means did I intend for this to be anything big. But, you know, having them have the same experience, you know, it's blossom. You know, when I look at the work the other guys on here have done, you know, especially Roe. You know, just getting to meet John and, and Wayne and stuff, they, you know, they've taken kids down and where the game has gone to today. But for me, you know, going down initially was just having them have the same experience I had in high school, seeing that, you know, there's a different world. And if yeah. I'm going to encourage young people travel, you know, yeah, because sure. you see a world outside of your own community. Opens outside your eyes. of your own city, outside of your own country, you realize it's a big world out there with a lot of opportunities and traveling. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and you know, people throw around the, the term trailblazer very loosely. You know, trailblazer. You know, we, everybody's a legend now. Everybody's a legend. Everybody's a trailblazer. But you know, like you know, you know, Chris mentioned uh, Mervin Busby, and I got to tell you, like. I, you know, I've been doing these podcasts with, with women that are older than me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. who got you into ball first? They're like Murph. Murph. You know what I mean? Like, how is Murph everywhere? Because <laughs> he's coaching women older than me. He, you know, he's coaching Chris. He, the, he had me and Rowan and, and, and Keith Vassal and Sean Green, that, you know, that group of guys. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. Mean, and he's still going, you know, like, and he's still doing it. And, and, and I bring him up to say that, you know what, uh, you know, again, as black men, like, it is so important that we acknowledge our builders. It's so For sure. Because 100%. Um, a guy like Merv, like, we, you know, like, people, you know, like, a lot of young people don't understand that, you know, that how much he trailblazed. And mm-hmm. because of his trailblazing, you know, what what it did. And I think it's, it's unfortunate sometimes that, you know, that... Um, Gets lost. Pop, pop, yeah, it gets lost. Popular culture. It's, it's pop. You know what's popular? Unfortunately, is, is what people know. But mm-hmm. there's a there's a narrative about Canadian basketball that I think that you know that really ignores a lot of builders. Um, For sure. And I'm talking. I'll talk about you know Roe. I mean John. I don't really know you like that, but you know like Roe's impact on on Canadian basketball, you know, is something where. I think you you might hear about it, but when you talk about trailblazing, opening doors, you know, making what we see today a reality. For sure. His name is in that book, you know, like his name is is there and and cemented. Uh, it's cemented, but it's cemented by us at this level, but unfortunately there's you know, there's people that, you know, that hold, you know, really control the popular narrative that they're not going to say that, you know, and our, and the Canadian basketball hall of fame is a reflection of that. And unless you played for the national team or the provincial team, uh, guys like us that have done so much in the, in the world of basketball over the years will never be recognized ever. You got, you know, at the grassroots level, at the grassroots level. You got four black people now in 50 years in Canada basketball's hall of fame. And, and I think mm-hmm. the last two, like Sylvia Sweeney just came in in like the late nineties. That's ridiculous. And you know, and you know guys like Dix are not gonna get in there. You know, you know guys like Yearwood, you're never gonna see them. You know, like and I think that it's unfortunate because our children are gonna look at that and think that, okay, well, let me look at all these white faces. I guess these are the guys that made it a reality, made what we see a reality, and then throw Vince in there. So I mean, I'm just saying that to say that while these guys are here, John, I I I I can sense already the impact that, that you're making. I know the impact we as Chris made. I just want to make it make it very clear that whatever narrative of Canadian basketball is out there, this is the real the real deal right here. I mean, I mean, I'll I'll kind of end it on this. Like, 
if you know, you know. I'll just leave it as that. Like you know, if you're if you're if if you're a part of everything and you've been on the on on, on the on, on on the ground and you've been involved with everything and you've seen everybody, you talk to people, you know the names that are involved. You know the the, the real people who are kind of putting the hammer to the pavement or whatever and kind of making things happen. And then that's that's you guys for sure. Well, for sure, for sure. I'm just yeah, but my issue with that is. I'm like I'm saying is that it's not enough just to know. I think we gotta we gotta do something about it. We gotta write about it. We gotta do documentaries about it. We gotta you know we gotta put mm-hmm. statues up about it. Like we have to because you gotta think about inspiring that next generation of kids. We're not gonna inspire mm-hmm. that next generation of black kids just by you know you know they because they're seeing the statues of, and they're seeing the, the the documentaries and they're seeing the you know the the others mm-hmm. that don't look like us that yeah, are being yeah. celebrated in, on a regular and those neighborhoods that built this that that whole Jane pipeline that built what we we see who's going to invest back in those neighborhoods if you don't think anything good ever came out of there exactly, Jane, exactly. Jane, you stand rose rose runs you know like drift yeah. jungle like if people don't understand that how important Galloway, how important those neighborhoods were to what we see now. Why would anybody invest back in there if it doesn't look like anything good came out of it? Yeah, no, exactly. Now with um, social media and all that stuff, like if you asked a random kid, he would never know mm-hmm. or who the history. Or any of this yeah, stuff. Stan- Stanley, Falstaff, like, come on. Like, and it's no wonder nobody puts nothing back in there. Because nobody thinks anything good came out of that. Because, yeah. Because we don't talk about it. Like, we don't yeah, talk about it. You know? That's facts. That's so, facts. Not, not to take over, but... No, no, no. That's fine. No, man. This is this is a barbershop talk. This is the chat room. So, um, I guess I guess my 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 next question kind of... Ro kind of touched on it earlier, but, like, what was that moment like? Or what... Or I'll say this. What At what moment did you guys realize, that, okay... Canada basketball has a place in the not only North America but in the world. Like, what at what moment do you notice? Okay, these guys that I'm bringing down to the U.S., these guys that I'm training, or these guys that I'm coaching, or these guys that I'm trying to have them experience the world, they actually can make it. They have a chance to kind of play against the, the top U.S. guys, the top world guys. Like, at what point did that click for you guys? Um, I'll, I'll start. Um, obviously, uh, it, it, the biggest thing that comes to mind uh, when uh, uh, Wayne and I were. Um, um, you know, merged and, and partners. And we took a group of guys um, to uh, do a France for a world championship. And most of the teams that were there were the actual national teams. National you know? team. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys, some of the guys went to the NBA. Like, you know, when you look, hey, that's a so-and-so, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like, we just took our, our guys from yeah. within our organization. <laughs> it's not like we went over to, you know, Montreal and Calgary and Vancouver, whatever. We only took our guys and to go to the championship game and lose by two, you know, um, at, at the end, I get played against top teams from France and from the USA and from all over, you know, and yeah. to see the dang, you know, the Canadians can play it. Cause this is one small group. It's not even the whole, you know, best guys you can find out there. That's when I really said, okay, yeah, Canada, you know, can go places. Canada could be, you know, world, you know, top five, top three in the world, um, you know, based on, you know, that. Yeah, I mean, that, I would, I would have to say the same thing, man. I mean, you know, like it's it, hindsight is, is, I mean, obviously t- is 2020, but we went, you know, we barely even got to prepare for that tournament. I mean, I, was, I just did a podcast with Eugene. Eugene's like, yeah, you guys called me the night before. Eugene <laughs> <laughs> wasn't even supposed to go and, and he got called the night before and um you know and these guys you know, we balled out but you know again we came back no fanfare that was i think that was one of the highest finishes silver medal but i mean for us we on we i i agree with, with road that to me solidified it and then but i think on a another level if you go back before that i knew we were we had it because our black tournaments, like, you know, the, you know, the, um, you know, the Martin Luther King and MLK in Montreal. Okay. Yes. MLK here. Yeah. Like if you remember those tournaments, American teams used to come up and yeah. we, used to put, we used to put work on them. And then even Michigan, I remember, I think we, 
we I think we might have beat Michigan one year um, with the uh, Michigan All Star game. So yeah. I I think you know for us the the evidence was there, but we hadn't gone across the other side and really showed it, proved it. Yeah. And so I think what Rose talking about is we knew we had something special. We knew fridge and this and turbo and this. Like we knew we had the guys, the Bobby Llewellyn. Uh, we knew we had the guys, but we were yet to go over there and just. And I think you know the, the victories that John, you're talking about, you know, Ron, uh, that uh, John, that you witnessed, Ro. There's, you know, those would be like when you talk about historic things that need to be. When you talk about Canadian basketball milestones, that yeah, that you, that that you celebrate, you you do documentaries about. That 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 Vegas team, that team with Mike oh, this, Junior, that team, they have like just how they made the um the Vince Carter documentary. Yeah, they got to make a documentary about that just, team because that cause, for sure because 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 that, that team had team. that legend special team. Man. Hey, you go starts in ten minutes. You go down that roster and you say, okay, this person, this person, like those are all like high level. Calendar. Talented players. Prep, prep. starts in ten uh, Definitely did their thing for sure. Yeah, definitely nine, nine guys out of the twelve went high major, and oh. like all twelve guys went Division One. So uh, it was a historic team. That was sure. the next thing. Canadian basketball milestones, and I'm telling you, like, and I, you know, like, it, there's a, there's a sense of you know for us as as black men sometimes, <laughs> you know, like we. People like to be to, to distract us with you know some of the things that you know that that go on in the community. But there's nothing wrong with rivalries. Rivalries are, are good and healthy, and um, and I think that. But rivalries, rivalries, rivalries should not be an excuse not to respect accomplishments of each other. And yeah. I think we start we start doing that more than the people that are that are scorching the earth. We're not going to make their job so easy where they can come in and say, okay, well. We can just change the narrative here because they're not celebrating these accomplishments. So why should we? And then and create a whole new narrative, you know? And that's why, I mean, like I said, I gotta be careful, you know, like I don't wanna, you know, make it about us and us versus them or anything like that. Cause I think we're at, we're at an incredible time in Canadian basketball right now. Sure, um, yeah. We're at an incredible time, but at still at the same time, I still believe that this, if we're talking about inspiring our children that you know black children to be builders we got to keep those memories and those milestones we got to keep them alive and fresh as, as can be and i think that um oh, yeah. just so, yeah just just to build on that a little bit and mm -hmm. and this is what i think wayne was alluding to earlier about the powers that be and influence you know because something like that should have been celebrated but sure. it was looked it was looked down on, yeah. You know? um, and I I remember when Ro was going to the states, he was villainized, you know. And this was bad for basketball. And when he started taps, you know, Toronto Air Prep School, you know, he was a villain also at that time, you know. And so unless you're part of the establishment, oh. <laughs> you weren't celebrated. And it's funny because I I read what Kareem said, so Jack Donahue. You know, who none of us in the eyes of Canadian basketball could touch. Kareem said he was his worst coach that he's ever had, and he hated playing for him. He was terrible, you know. But I tell you how the establishment worked. They were locking up, especially people from black communities, for selling weed. And then the government got into it, and now it's acceptable. So you know, it's a multi billion dollar company right now. Correct. So what happened was, you know, these guys are taking kids down to the States and give them a different experience. You know, they were villains. The guys that are doing it today are heroes, yeah. you know? And so I think that the indictment is against Canada basketball, you know, and anybody to what people are doing now is people are writing the wrong that they've done in the past. We see it with them, you know, tearing down statues and all that sort of stuff. And I'd like to see Canada basketball come to the table. And the people that they made villains is that they make it right. You can't get off the hook when everybody else is on the hook. You know, so I think they've got to look at these guys that were trailblazers and acknowledge them 
and almost right the wrong. I agree, John. As a you know, how about from your experience? Oh, well, I mean, the the culture for me is different because I'm coming in from the U.S. from the U.S. So, you know, coming from a total totally different you know mindset of how to you know promote your players and and showcase them here. Like I said, it was like, why do you go to the U.S.? You're going to lose. You know, uh, you guys are not good. They, they, they put all these these things on us. And I'm like, you know, we are good enough. We just got to have be we got to play in, the, in, in front of the right people. You know, I knew there was a change when when these coaches, they started calling. And, I, you know, we, we at the tournament, you know, and they're not supposed to be communicating with you because it's a quiet period, their period. And. You know, you go to the bathroom and here come three or four coaches right behind you, you know, and, and the people stall next to you talking about like, where that kid, where you from? And, you know, I, I like how he plays and, and stuff. And we got to come to Canada, you know, and uh, when, when these players started going in high in the draft, you know, I mean, that 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 showed everything about Canadian basketball and not only Canadian basketball, what we're talking about the grassroots, you know, Who's who's working with these kids when they can't dribble? You know, somebody is. Somebody's working with them. They can't shoot. They can't hit the basket. You know, two feet from the basket, he missed the whole basket. Nobody want to work with them. But as soon as they start developing, you know, these are our kids, you know, and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, that's that's what was sad for me because there's a lot of people that do a lot of work behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Like yeah. we're talking about, they don't even get the credit. No. You know. And it's, and it's, and it's so important. I like I'm saying, Canada basketball received a gift, you know, you know, from you know, Roe first, but myself, everybody else here that that's being that's being involved. That's a gift. They didn't they didn't develop a a grassroots program to <laughs> to to nurture the talent. Exactly. They didn't. They just received it, you know, and and that they want your players, and they and they but they won't acknowledge the fact that somebody constructed this, somebody made it possible for them to be on the receiving end of all this. And they have, and they, and because they're a governing body, they have guys a certain way, you know, like me and Carl English is cool. And Ro knows this too. Like when Carl English came to Toronto from, from out East, he was in Regina Patches. That man was in Jane and Finch playing for us, you know, playing, you know, playing with me and right up until he went to Hawaii, you know, and he wrote a book, no mention. I said, I said, Carl, you know you and Finch. You know that you know, you, you know, you and Stevie Morrison and you know, even Denham when he was young. Where do you think you came to? And he didn't mention, but oh, but he didn't want to didn't want to be controversial. What do you mean anyone be controversial? Bro, that's where you learn how to ball. Like you came, like you came, you're nice, but yeah, but guess what? That time you spent in Finch and with us is where, where we got it out of you. But yeah. not to be controversial, so you write a book and you can't mention Jane and Finch, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier, then, then who's going to believe that anything good comes out of these Black communities if the people that come in and use it, you know, even if it's for a time being, use it and move on and don't say nothing. can't even acknowledge it like that. And again, not to pick on you, hey, Carl, love you. I bought your, your book. I got a copy of your book. I love you, bro. But, you know, like you can't be like you can't be doing it. And then and that goes to any of our, any of the kids that we, we raise that that, you know, like that are in a position where they can have a voice about what their roots are and are afraid to say afraid of what you know? give back, man. Give back for sure. Yeah, sure. All right, so we've reached the part of the podcast where we get to promote our social medias and anything else that we might be working on. This is just an opportunity to just promote uh, whatever you got going on. So uh, we're going to start with you, Wayne. <laughs> um, right now, uh, I mean, I live on both sides of the border. Um, I'm in Phoenix, but um, I, my main project is, like I said, I, I work for for... I mean, I, I've always worked, I've worked for myself for the last 12 years. So um, a lot of the projects that I take on are just things that are like more that I'm passionate about. 
Um, I, I write curriculum now. I work with the, uh, the, the top educational consulting company in, in the southern United States and wrote an adaptive PE curriculum uh, for children with autism. And um, I consult with that out of New Mexico and out of Phoenix, out of Arizona. Um, I work with Jamaica basketball. Um, yeah. No, I do. Uh, I, I, I like to organize. So, you know, I, I, I run a prep program. I don't really, I don't really coach or train to do that kind of stuff, but I love to organize. Um, I'm spearheading an initiative for a, you know, a hall of fame, not a, a black hall of fame, but an alternative, just another hall of fame. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm in America where you got hall of fames everywhere. You got everywhere. Yeah. McDonald's down the street, got a hall of fame. So, you know, so for me, I'm like, what, you know, I, I don't see why we can't have more than one because we know that the representation is needed. Um, for sure. So, um, yeah, so, you know, so a lot of the initiatives that I have going on, I think there's some spaces as black men that we don't occupy. And, and, and I don't know why, like, you know, we don't really occupy that space of recruiting, you know, recruiting and evaluation. So I started a recruiting platform that, that I'm pushing and um, um, doing some certification programs as well, too, that I'm working on that. I think one of the issues you have in basketball skill training is everybody and their mom can wake up and say, I'm a skill trainer. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's, there's no quality control. There's no financial metrics. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and where there's a mess, there's, there's an opportunity, but you know, it's usually the white guys that will come in here and regulate us. And so we wait. So that's why I didn't want to wait. I don't want to wait for them white guys to come in and tell me that I got to get their certification in order for our, you know, for, uh, for black guys to train, we might as well just do it ourselves um, because that's what, that's, what's going to happen. You know, like any, you know, so I, I, I would say, like I said, I'm, I'm a social entrepreneur. I like, you know, uh, finding projects and those are my main projects right now. I may have missed something, but those are, those are things I have on the go right now. Okay. Dope. Uh, Ro, we'll go to you next. Next, um, to change kids' lives and give them something better to hold on to and not just be the a part of a, a, a statistic in terms of, uh, you know, the whole nine. Um, but you can uh, reach me at uh, on uh, Twitter and um, Instagram at uh, Coach Roll Russell, and um, on Twitter uh, GRC Elite, and on uh, Instagram um, uh, we are grassroots. All right, so um, I'm also coaching at um, Crestwood Prep, um, um, you know, uh, prep school in Toronto, private school at uh, Crestwood Hoops on uh, Twitter and um, Instagram. And, uh, you know, I still got a lot of life left. So thank the Lord for everything. And uh, I always want to, you know, give him the glory in everything I do. Amen. Dope, dope, dope. John. Um, CYBC basketball, you know, um, like I said, we uh, just had our birthday. We 15 years old. You know, I I started it from, uh, from scratch, you know, and, you know, we've been able to help a lot of players to play uh, here in Canada and the U.S. You know, uh, my, my, my thing is developing athletes. It was funny. Wayne talked about trainers and stuff. I, I, I laugh because, you know, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there, you know, that have no clue. You know, they're going to throw some dribbling drills and they, they're training you. But, you know, they're missing the, the really the delicate parts of training. The small, intricate details. You know, I talk to David about that all the time, where I'll, I'll yep. tell him, I'll show him something that, see, this coach would miss this little thing here, this angle. We'll never see it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and his footwork and where high his feet is and his back and, you know, his, his body movements. Um, so, you know, CYDC basketball, um, you know, we got our website up and Instagram, you know, this, you know, um, Google that stuff. And, um, you know, we've been trying, like I said, we've been trying to help these athletes. More important, uh, we have a lot of kids because we are a skill development program 
that won't even make, sometimes won't even make their high school team, but uh, they're becoming doctors and lawyers. And uh, that's what's really important to me because I tell these athletes, it's not just about basketball. Uh, basketball is a small part of what we do. You know, we try to build outstanding individuals in the community. And um, if we can continue to do that, then we will stay successful. You know, I don't sure. gauge success by how many tournaments you win. And, no. we, you know, we've had our fair share of wins. Uh, but I gauge, I gauge things by the effort of these athletes, giving it all. So, you know, you can find me at uh, CYDC Basketball. For sure, for sure. Dope. Chris? Um, for me, you know, I run Advantage Basketball um, Community Organization in the um, Ajax and Scarborough area. We've continued to do that. We've been shut down, obviously, because of, of COVID right now. I'm also the director of the men's basketball program at Jay Addison Prep School in Markham. Um, we've been, I have a great staff. Our athletic director, Chris Francis, has done a good job. And again, mm -hmm. anybody that knows things about me knows it's all about relationships. At Which Jay Addison, with me, I have um, Jelani Matthews, you know, who runs. Jalen. Yeah, we have Jason Calise. You know, um, yep, he's he's a part of the staff as well, too. Javal Miles is another guy that's a part mm -hmm. of the staff. So, you know, the role that I'm taking right now at this point in my life is a, a mentor, you know, a basketball mentor to these young guys coming up and really pushing them and promoting them, you know, to be great at what they can. At this stage in life, as I said, like none of us are stepping away, but our roles and our hats have to change. Changes, yeah. That's why I say when young guys are coming up, I don't even understand, you know, why some of the older guys hate against them. You, you got to mentor them and, and give them the opportunity, give them the tools. So right now, that's what we're really focusing on. So again, still with Advantage Basketball, you know, we're on Instagram, Advantage Titans, and then, you know, with J. Addison Basketball that we're doing as well. The good thing I like about it is it's a private school that, you know, it costs a lot to go to a private school, but we've negotiated scholarships, you know, for kids, marginalized kids in the inner city. Now they're able to get a private school education you know, and don't have to pay the cost for that. You know, they've also allowed us to bring kids in from different countries. And so we've had about four or five kids from different African countries, you know, Nigerian, Ghana, like we've brought a bunch of guys in. And so those are the relationships we're trying to build now. We've partnered with a lot of academies in Africa, you know, to bring kids here, to give them a different perspective, different opportunity. We've got to use basketball to change lives. For you sure. Know what I mean? And so that's what, that's what we're trying to do. So that's, that's what's going on right now. That's dope. Coach. Um, yeah, myself, uh, my IG is real deal underscore Francis. Um, COVID kind of got to shut us down here at the college. Um, but the good thing is we got some good news. We're opening up a little bit soon. Um, trying to prepare for this national championship run. So, yeah, uh, doing the whole CYDC stuff with John. Um, so yeah, that's me, man. I'm not, I'm not no big deal yet, but I'm, I'm, but I'm coming. This is this is you. So you're, you're creating for <laughs> Appreciate it. Nah, I definitely appreciate y'all, man, for sure. And as and for me. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Senator. Don't forget to check out the Not So Soft podcast with myself, Nino Rockwell. Kino the Great comes out every Friday. Don't forget to check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash it's the Senator. I DJ live on there every Thursday and Sunday, 6 to 8 Mountain Time, 8 to 10 Eastern Time. If you haven't checked out the Chatroom Podcast Instagram page, make sure to do so at the.chatroompod. If you like this episode and, uh, and any of the other episodes, don't forget to send us an email. Let us know that you're rocking with us at thechatroompod at gmail.com. New episodes every Tuesday. We're just going to be consistent with this and just keep getting bigger and better. Merch is made. We're going to be putting in some more orders for some new merch. We already had a giveaway. We're going to be doing some more of that. So make sure you're rocking out with us and following the Instagram page. Share it and do all that stuff. Like, rate, subscribe, share, wherever you listen to it. 
the chat room podcast, whether it's the audio or the video, we drop both on the same day. And before we wrap up, we just want to say thank you once again to all the guests. Sure. Appreciate uh, y'all for sure. coming on, kicking it with us. Um, definitely we'll have you back on. Sharing knowledge. Sharing knowledge, man. And history. All right, and thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate no you. Problem, man. It, it was good talking to you guys, man. Y'all had some great things to say. I mean, um, you know, stay focused, man, and just keep grinding, fellas. All right, sure. you guys too. It was great oh, being on. Yeah, keep keep doing your thing, guys. Hey. And this has been the chat room podcast, your favorite baller's favorite podcast. And we are out. Peace. Uh, take care. Yeah.